I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told. So I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hey everybody, Max Boltman here alongside Corey Pronman, back with another episode of the Athletic Hockey Show's Prospect Series, and actually back with Corey Pronman for this episode. First first one we've done in person together since the World Junior Summer Showcase. Once again, we are at a tournament, the Traverse City Prospect Tournament, live from Corey's hotel room, which is, as you might have guessed, much nicer than mine. Corey, how you feeling? I'm doing well, Max. Um, ha- happy to be here. I- I've, you know, haven't been in this tournament now in a couple of years. Um, one of my favorite events to go to, and it's, it's really exciting. Although only, I'll only be here shortly before we uh, to- depart for Arizona. Uh, but I love this tournament, and visiting Traverse City in September is always just a, it's a beautiful city to to visit around this time of year. Yeah, we had a debate. You know, are we going to do this show? Because we, we, we published on Fridays, and the tournament started on Thursday night. We've only really seen two games of this tournament so far. No, but there will be another episode. There will be another episode. And so Corey will, will go to the Arizona tournament. I'll stay here in Traverse City. And so when you hear from us next week, we'll be able to have uh, probably more comprehensive thoughts on, on both tournaments. The tournament Corey's going to, probably even the more star-studded tournament. Um, but for now, we can get into what we saw on the first day, and, and, and we will. But I first kind of, for people who aren't familiar you want to talk a little bit about the background and the history of these prospect tournaments. What is the significance of them for NHL teams? I think for, for, for NHL teams, this gives them, you know, 
a good preliminary idea of their prospects hitting heading into the main portion of their training camps. Uh, you know, not every team does this, but it's starting to become a trend where everyone wants to kind of get you know a cursory overview of guys before they start playing with the, with the big team and competing in games. You know, you know, seasoned American League players uh, for roster spots, and you know, you see these tournaments have a lot of top prospects in it, but they're also filled with a lot of American League signings, free agent invites, college free agents. Uh, you're trying to get an idea, okay, who's really in the mix, who's you know, slated for the American League. This is a more level playing field for those guys, but also it creates a, a, a weird context when you're kind of watching these games because you're going to have sometimes 18-year-olds playing uh, in the same uh, games as 24, 25-year-olds. Uh, and that could make it uh, a more difficult uh, thing from an evaluation perspective, it's not difficult, but you have to keep it in context when you're watching somebody score, somebody has a good game, and they're, you know, a, a guy who played college hockey last season and they're 23 years old versus the guy who was just coming straight out of, the, out of his draft class at, as a junior. Uh, those are the things that you have to balance, but it does help. You know, you see sometimes guys, guys get signed out of these out of these tournaments. Um, sometimes it helps this guy, a guy, propel their way to being in the a front runner to make an NHL team. Uh, so it's all part of the process. Yeah, I mean, in talking with teams last week for a story about the history of them, I mean, I can tell you what they value about these tournaments is the chance to evaluate their young guys against other teams' young guys. It, it, it you know, it was kind of born out of when the Red Wings were good back in the late '90s. Um, they would bring prospects to their training camp, and they would have to evaluate those prospects against Steve Eiserman and Nick Lidstrom, and that is a really hard way to figure out where your prospects are at. And, and so now this way. You get to have uh, you get to have your prospects playing against other teams' young prospects. They're not always the same age or the same level. To your point, like like there are plenty of tryout invitees here from the OHL who didn't play at all last season, who are 18 years old. There are some players who are, if not exactly my age, very close to my age on the, on these rosters too, who have been through all of college. Some of them who have played AHL or even NHL games. It is not quite level, but I do think it's a good middle step between junior hockey and the American League. And realistically, every NHL team knows going into a training camp process, there's only a couple of guys who are who are realistically in the mix. Correct. And you kind of, and every now and then there's a, a surprise, but usually you know who those guys are. So you're, you know, if you're going into, you know, this camp process, you're looking at your couple of top prospects and you're, and you're, you're using these time tournaments to get a first assessment of, of where these guys are. You know, Toronto wants to see where Nick Robertson is. Dallas wants to see where Ty Delandria and, and Thomas Harley is. Detroit wants to see where Valeno and Lucas Raymond and Jonathan Bergeron are, and so on and so forth. And they'll they'll keep watching them through the preseason, but this is this is all part of that process. Yeah, it sets the tone, and and it also, as it's evolved, has come to be a rather one-stop shop scouting opportunity for teams. And so when you are at these rinks in Traverse Cities, I'm sure some people listening out there maybe are at this tournament right now or, or have been at the past, you will see a lot of people there. Last night, uh, for instance, Kyle Dubas, Jarmo Kekalainen, both there uh, watching their teams uh, and, and the other teams as well. And so it, it gets you a chance to, in one place over one long weekend, scout this year five teams, some years eight teams. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I... Mean, I... This year's different than last year's for obvious reasons, but you used to have the two rinks that would be side by side, kind of like an, a typical, you know, you go to a typical peewee or bantam tournament. That's how, that's how the setup is. The, the rinks are kind of connected by, by, a, by a short hallway and the games would be staggered. Guys would be going in between games all the time, in between periods, and it would be rather chaotic with all the NHL people. 
And yeah, you'd have like just like typical fans sitting next to general managers sometimes. And it's it creates a very it would be a very unique environment in that regard. So since we are talking about the scouting side of it, let's get right to that and what we saw in the first two games. Now, not to ask you to overreact uh, exceptionally to the first two games, but but the first game we saw yesterday was Toronto and Columbus. Not necessarily the most top prospect late in game, but a couple of guys. I mean, Cole Sillinger picked in the first round this year. Igor Chinnikov last year. Nick Robertson been a pop-up prospect out of the second round over the last couple of seasons. What stood out to you in game one versus Columbus and Toronto? Yeah, I'll start with Columbus because I thought, you know, I was obviously king on the 12th overall pick, Cole Sillinger. I don't think he was amazing, but I thought he was good. Like you kind of saw like why he he was where he, you know, you know, a twelfth overall pick showed some good skill. Uh, you know, was involved in some scoring chances. The physicality stood out quite consistently. I thought he was always kind of finishing his checks and 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 showing that even as one of the youngest players in the overall tournament, uh, he can go up against older players, win battles, uh, and not look overwhelmed in the physical aspect of the game. Skating still is what it is with Cole. It's never going to be his strength, but I think. Yeah, I don't think you were blown away by him. I thought he he did what he needed to do there uh, to show you know why he was a high first round pick uh, for Columbus. I, I really liked Stan Svozel in that first game, the third round uh, pick defenseman out of the Czech Republic. Uh, you know, I, you know, is he going to be like a dynamic offensive type? That's the kind of the question. But I thought the feet looked good. I've had some scouts point that out to me as an issue during his draft year. They thought his overall pace wasn't the best. Why he went in the third round? But I thought the feet looked. You know, not amazing, but they look fluid. They, yeah, look yeah. good. Good. Like he was able to um, use his skating to escape pressure. He was able to make a, you know some cute plays off the blue line. Uh, you know, to create offense. Um, sh- showed some, you know, some speed to create controlled exits and entries. Um, you know, move the puck well. Didn't then wasn't getting walked defensively. Uh, he looked good. Like I think he looked like a guy you're watching that. And you're saying, hey, you know, he's got a he's got a legitimate chance to play an NHL game. So he's gonna be a third pair, second pair. You know, time will tell, but I thought he looked good. Uh, Chinnikov scored a goal, you know, which is what he is. You know, he's a, he's a goal scorer, skill guy. His pace is kind of the one thing with me that I still have some concerns about. But, you know, there is offense, particularly when he gets inside the offensive zone and the game slows down a little bit, particularly on the power play. He's really dangerous, I thought. Uh, you know, will he have enough pace in this game to make the Blue Jackets out of camp? I think that's going to be the question for him going um, through the preseason process. Uh, yeah, I mean, th- this is the first time I've seen Chinnikov live, and so I was interested to see the skating as well. Um, I-, I-, I tend to agree. I think the north-south is the problem, but because I think his edges are, are pretty fi- are fine, you know, and I think when-, when he is in the offensive zone for that reason, you're going to see him be able to kind of pivot a little bit and, and use his feet to-, to-, to a productive way in a way that I'm not sure he's going to ever be the most dominant player off the rush uh, in- in- if-, if he makes the NHL or when he makes the NHL. Um, but I, I do think as a scorer, it's still useful to have that kind of in tight edge work that, that can allow you to find a little bit of space. And he did well in the KHL for a teenager. So you think that there is probably some pace elements in his game that you, know, you usually don't see guys score like he did at 19 in the KHL. If they, if presuming that given that he's not even that big, given that if they don't at least have some pace in their game, I see some flashes of that from him when I watch, I just not it's just not consistent. I, I, I find. And, uh, so yes, you know we'll see how his camp goes. I would presume he's on the bubble to make to make Columbus, but uh, uh, but we'll see what happens uh, through the camp, through the camp process. The other side of the ice, he had Toronto, and I think Nick Robertson, kind of the the headliner over there, and and I thought he looked in control for a lot of the game. Early, he had a really dangerous 
I mean, a goal that he set up off the rush and off the wing on a, I think it was a backhand saucer pass that he yeah. made. It was a really nice play. And, and I think you could tell that Nick Robertson was what you look for a really good prospect to be at this tournament, which is he just looks a little different than the other guys on the ice. Yeah, really skilled, really competitive, you know, still kind of a little bit of a funky skater, but I thought the he didn't look like he was slow or behind the pace kind of thing. I thought his pace was more, was more than fine at that level. Just really involved in the offense. Uh, you know, given that he is, you know, 5'9 and not, a, you know, a blazer, that's going to be the question I think for him going into camp is, you know, is there a top nine spot for him to take? Or more likely, you know, does he start in the American League and is he like a first injury call-up option? Uh, that's kind of where I lean with him. And yes, I would say, you know, he's the clear guy to watch from this group. There's some other guys like, you know, Abramov's got a chance. Golgolev, I think, has got a chance to play. Um, you know, some of some of their, you know, they, their team has a lot of like free agent invites and, and lower lower round picks that are that are long shots. But yeah, like Robertson is the guy that if you're a Toronto fan, you're monitoring very closely to see just how close does he look. And even though he's probably not going to make the team, how how nervous does he make some of those veterans? Gogolev, by the way, is a, a player who kind of exemplifies what this tournament could be. He came as an invitee with the Red Wings in 2018, undrafted. He he shows reasonably well there, goes back, is very good in the OHL for two years, ends up getting a contract from Toronto, who I don't remember if Toronto was playing in that tournament or if they came the year after, um, but certainly they would have you know been aware that, that Gogolev was at that tournament here. So an, an example of what these tryout guys, what can happen for them eventually. Uh, I've, I've seen guys go to this tournament with one team and get signed to a contract by another team. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, Cause I think that happened with Sergei Tolchinsky. I think that one, that one year I, f- I forgot the, the exact context, but, but yeah, like I've seen that happen before. <laughs> yeah. And I think especially for the OHL kids here, like that's, that's what you're hoping for. Uh, when you come to this tournament that the kids that barely did, it didn't play at all last year. And, and so now you come here and, and you're hoping that you can, you can show something, but just to wrap on Robertson, you made the point about the, the top nine spot. And what I think did stand out about Robertson as well is that he is a high-compete player. He, oh, yeah. he is all in. I don't know if you want him penalty killing, but could you see him in an energy role? Yeah, I, I think he could be – he's he's competitive. I think he can even be like a little reckless sometimes, to be quite honest. Like, I think you always see – whenever I watch Nick, he's fearless in how he goes to the middle of the ice. Like He'll make all kinds of little toe-drag plays yep. to, to create space for himself in the middle. He doesn't, doesn't get shy from going to the net. So, you know, I do like him. You know, I guess that kind of goes to, you know, traditional roster building philosophies is can you have a guy on your team who is not a regular on the penalty kill or the, or the power play? I don't know if uh, that's 21-year-old Nick Robertson's on killing penalties for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Maybe when he's 23, 24, 25, he is. Uh so that's kind of where I think the the debate is because I think his strength I think he's competitive but his strength is clearly on the this skill goal scoring front. Yeah, I think that's a fair fair way to put it. Um, the second game, Detroit and Dallas, a little more prospect heavy. You get into some of the guys that we saw in this year's draft. You get into Logan Stankoven. You get into Wyatt Johnson. Ty Delandria still at this tournament. Joe Valeno still at this tournament. Those guys are are veterans of it by now. Lucas Raymond and Jonathan Bergeron make their debuts, uh, but. The guy who I thought had the best game of all of the Red Wings prospects might have been a seventh round pick overager at the time in 2019, Kirill Tuchiev. Yeah, no, I mean, he was to say he was surprising would be an understatement just because I mean, I've watched him when he was in Russia. I, he didn't play Russia last year, he played Belarus, but I watched him when he played in Russia. I thought just that dime a dozen small skill guy doesn't skate that well. And no, I mean, he was arguably the best player on the ice 
on a yeah, like I said, in a game full of first and second round picks. Yeah. Uh looked like like I said, he's got skill. What's that to me was the was the motor. I thought the motor looked really good. You kinda of even saw I I liked, you know, he pl- he played hard. I thought like on the last scoring plate was involved in where he kinda of took the puck. Hard uh, drive to the hard, hard drive to the to the far post. Showed no fear, kind of going up against bigger defensemen to take a hit and to create a scoring chance. I like that because because he's five nine and not a blazer. You're gonna need that element to even have a puncher's chance to play in the National Hockey League. And so he's intriguing. He wasn't really on my radar as an NHL prospect. Uh, now I think you watch him if he maintains this even level, kind of close. You know, you kind of see how he does in the American League. And I think at the at the minimum. From from one game, he's made me say I gotta at least circle back on this guy. Is he gonna play in the NHL? You know, time will tell. I also thought, just to add to your point, the instincts was what popped to me. I mean, there was you know obviously like you said the hard drive to the net, but also he had a play. I think it was Detroit's second goal that he got to a loose puck, which you know speaks to the motor a little bit. But then curled and found a seam really quickly that set up a. He forced that turnover too. I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolute grade A that that Chase Pearson buries for a goal. And there was another couple passes as the game went on where I was like, all right, he's thinking the game. He's seeing it out yeah, there. Yeah, I think I think from what I saw there, he definitely looks like an American League guy. Yeah. Like, I think he should be able to hold his own down there with, with no question. NHL, because of the skating, that's the question. Yeah. yeah and, you know, I think he's got to he's gonna be the kind of guy who's going to need to go down to the American League, play really well, leave no doubts, and then maybe he takes the step. We don't, we'll see how his season goes. Yeah, one game does not make a prospect. He, he might go the rest of this. I mean, there's two more games for Detroit. He might not score in either of them, might not have a point in either of them, and then, and then you know, what do you do with that? But you, you'll watch how he plays, and, and if he continues to impact the game and show what he's shown, then a really nice start to his North American um, career over here. What do you think of that first line with, like, Valeno, Berger, and Raymond? Because like, I thought, they obviously, they had really part in two goals, yeah. but, like, I bet the Given what I know about those players, I expected them to like kind of dominate puck possession. They and- should be the best line at the tournament, and I didn't think they were the best line last night for their own team. And I thought Dallas had, you know, da- Dallas was probably the better team last night. Oh yeah, the Dallas was dominating possession for stretches yeah. there. It just obviously you know, that's they, they scored, so yeah. like that's that's a big thing. But you know, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I thought they underwhelmed their talent. Now Lucas Raymond's playing his first game in seven months. Yeah. Uh, I, th- I thought I thought like Raymond looked like he was having the biggest adjustment there yeah. of, of the three guys, like just because he's all he's a pure skill playmaking type. He's a good competitor, but like he. He's not that big, and he's never like been like the most you know blazing fast skater. And I thought versus the the big guys on the on the small ice, people were closing on him really fast, and he wasn't making like that split second adjustments. And I think with time he will, but I thought he he kind of showed there was a little bit of a of a learning curve there. And he even said like getting his legs back took him like it was a hard game on the legs for the first game off in a while, and and I think that showed like you didn't see him. Um, take anybody wide really he, he was more if, if someone was closing on him he was going to chip that puck deep and yeah he wasn't he wasn't doing the things that make lucas raymond successful he wasn't putting pucks through legs he wasn't creating you know chances for his teammates uh it just was an average game but it's only one game you know yeah. i'm sure he'll, he, he he'll did be score it, it was, his, his goal was a very nice goal hard one timer yep. off the rush and, and he actually had another play that he tried and his shot's a really interesting element of his game I think it's, it's developed yeah, yeah. I, I find like from where i saw him when he was 15 16 to where he is now it's it complements the playmaking really well. He did have a play that he tried to make to Berggren where he was driving the net and he tried to just kind of leave a pass for Berggren to come get and, and finish and it didn't convert. Um, but I do think that's the kind of kind of crafty play that you you want to see from Lucas Raymond. That, yeah. that one didn't yeah. work. We'll see if more yeah. do as it goes on. What's the other defenseman, Sabrango, McIsaac? I thought like both of them were... Steady. Yeah, because they yeah. they're both 
six one just defenseman who can skate and make outlet passes. Like that's, that's right. That's both what they are. You know, I don't think you're expecting big time offense out of either of them. Uh, I thought they both they both did the job. Don't think that they were bad or great. Yeah, they both look like they absolutely belong. And I mean, these are two guys who we expect to see in the American League playing a decent role all year. And I think that's what they look like right now. Um, both guys, I mean, McIsaac in particular, uh, you're really interested to see how this year goes for him. He's missed so much time the last two years. Uh, surgery is on both shoulders. And so I think for him, job number one here is get through this tournament and this preseason, uh, in, intact and, and kind of get your, um, your bearings back for, for physical hockey. Because when McIsaac is playing his game, um, yeah, he's two way defenseman. He's also can be a really physical defenseman. And, and so like for a guy who's had those injuries, I do think, that would be a big thing for him this preseason is just to reestablish the, the physical presence. He's not huge, but I think he's 6'1", and and he wants to take the body. Yeah, I think, I think they're both good players. I'm not sure if they're amazing players, but I think they're good players. Yeah, no, I, I think that's totally fair. On the Dallas side of things, I, I do think Ty Delandria is looking more and more like a guy who's who can push for an NHL job. The, the goals in this game more so... Riley Tufty, I think, had had two of them. Yeah. Um, but Delandria's battle, I mean, he, he looks like a pro hockey player to me. Yeah, he's six one, six one and a half, good skater, he's a worker. There is I don't know with Delandria if you're ever gonna see a guy who's like a truly dynamic offensive type, but there is skill in his game, I think. He's got enough uh vision, enough of a of a shot where you you can see him, you know, put up some points in the National Hockey League. I think it's, you know, I, I got to imagine he's playing a lot of games with the Stars this season. I don't know how many it's going to be. I don't know what the role is going to be, but uh, he's 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 he looks like he looks like an NHL player, kind of like you said. Uh, I thought Bork the other. He, I don't think Bork's an NHL player. Yeah, he's going to take a couple more years because of his size and his feet. But I uh, I thought he made a lot of plays in in that game. I thought in just general their team was impressive. I, I, I liked like Bork. I liked Damiani, Stankoven. I thought Stankoven had, had a PK shift that yeah. I was blown away by. Like yeah, the he, pressure he, he put he, on his. Com- he's he's a, he's really competitive. Like yeah. he's got a motor that I think even though he then then the feet are not naturally fluid, it makes him look a little faster than he actually is. Yep. Uh, you know, I thought he, you know, he played well. Um, I like the Grushnikov kid who, this was his first competitive game in like a year and a half. I thought he held, it wasn't amazing. I thought he held his own though. Looked a 6-2 mobile defenseman with, with some two-way ability. Uh, you know, and like I mentioned, Tufty, you know, one of the older guys, he scored two goals. It's impressive. He's big and he can skate. Does it work at higher levels? Those are still the questions I think he needs to answer. Um, you know, I like Y Johnson a lot. I thought he was kind of quiet though in in that in that game. He did score, but he, it was he, not the strongest goal of the of the night. Yes, we'll it, yes, it was like a to those who didn't watch, it was like a long range shot that the should not have gone in that the Detroit goalie Bradstrom kind of flubbed on. Yes, um, and uh, I really like this player, but Thomas Harley had a rough night. Like it was just it. And and that happens sometimes, and I you know it's you don't want to pick on the guy because I think he's an excellent prospect, big, mobile, moves the puck well. Yeah. Um, I think there's going to be I think he's going to be a really good two way defenseman when he reaches the National Hockey League and is play and uh, uh, whenever that is. But yeah, he's had a tough night, a lot of turnovers, lost some battles down in the in the in the D zone that, that led to grade A scoring chances. Uh, he has some of those times where where his heartbeat can be a little bit low and. And, and he and he makes those errors, but I also think there are times when you have a defenseman like that, not just in this game, and in general with Harley, who just wherever he goes, he just plays a ton. He plays a, he played a ton in Texas last year. He played a ton in the in the OHL. Well, juniors, he plays big minutes, and I think when you just 
play that much as a defenseman, your mistakes get magnified just because it's hard to play that many shifts and not actually uh, make errors, even though I feel like his can sometimes be amplified a little bit too much. And we mentioned, you know, Dallas probably deserved better in this game for what the run of play was. That partly probably a night that Adam Scheel will be uh, ready to forget fairly quickly. Yeah, Scheel's going to go to the American League probably. I don't think he's an, I don't think he's an NHL goalie, but uh, you know he was good enough in college where I don't think this was this was I don't think this game was indicative of what he is. But he, yeah. he had a tough night. Yeah, and I think the the, the quickness in his feet are have always been an issue. He kind of got beat a lot when he had to he had to move across the crease. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, yeah, but I thought in general, though, Dallas did play well. And you know, there was a lot of guys we're not even mentoning, like guys like Peterson, guys like Stranges, uh, you know, who who did some things throughout the game that at least were intriguing. Yep. Um, St. Louis didn't play on night one, and I don't want to shortchange Blues fans here. Do we want to just give a little bit of a preview for the tournament for them? I mean, the guys to kind of watch here, you're probably looking at Jake Neighbors, Zach Bolduc. I think Bolduc got hurt. I'm not sure if he's oh, going to play. Okay. I'm not sure if he's going to play. I remember something about the injury. I'm really intrigued to say Jake Neighbors. He was so good last year in, yep. in Edmonton. Uh, even because I think there's always like the kind of the question is Genther carrying neighbors is, or is neighbors carrying Genther, but then Genther leaves for the U18s and, and neighbors strong play continues. Uh, you know, I, I think with, I don't know if he's going to be, you know, like a high echelon NHL player, but I think he's got everything except the skating he's got. He's got skill, hockey sense. He's competitive. He can shoot it. Um, uh, I think he's a really, I could see him become a really strong top nine winger in the, in the NHL. And I think, you know, you know, he's definitely in the mix, I think, to be part of Canada's under-20 team. Uh, so, yeah, no, he's a guy I'm excited to see here. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, Corey, now let's get to uh, to the mailbag. And we've got some fun ones today. Actually, a really fun one to start off with from Mark Savvy, who says, One NHL player knocks on your door and says, Let's go on an adventure. Who do you want that player to be? That was an interesting question. <laughs> uh, probably should have thought of that one a little bit more before you asked it. I've always been, you know, the one, the guy whose personality in the league is always endeared to me. Not because I think he goes on fun adventures, but I just, I, I was the one to, would always want to meet and grab a cup of coffee with would, would be Flurry. Uh, I just, I've always found his personality to be so like, so infectious. I feel like he'd be just be a person I'd love to just like, Get, you know, get a coffee or, or a lunch with kind of thing and, and get to know. Because uh, everybody I know who's ever met him and read with him has nothing but amazing things to say about that person. 
Yeah, I don't know that I am the most adventurous person that I know, so I'm not going to go the route here of like saying like a Brent Burns, who I think would <laughs> would probably be the most memorable adventure, but I'm not sure that I would cherish those memories in the same way that a lot of others out there in the world might. I actually, I really enjoy Gabriel Landeskog and in, in what I've dealt with him so far um, covering the league. I think he seems like my kind of guy, the kind of person that you would not mind spending 14 hours in a car with the kind of person you would not mind uh, having an issue that needs to be solved. <laughs> and I, and I heard, I've heard that about Gabe for a very long time, even like dating back to his draft year. Everybody would always say like, you know, you watch him and the skill doesn't pop out to you, but he works so hard. And when you talk to this kid, like you're just blown away by yeah. how mature and intelligent he is. And so that's why I've been hearing about him since he was like 17 years old. Yeah, put it this way. If I was going to miss a flight with any any NHL player that I've covered and have to deal with the ensuing stress, uh, Gabe Landeskog is at the top of that list. And uh, as Corey can attest, I am uh, not the most on-time person that uh, any of you know. So uh, that's a, that's a pretty big uh, decision-making factor for me. So I'll say Gabe Landeskog. Uh, next question is from Amir C. Do the Panthers have a legitimate shot at coming out of their powerhouse division? I think that, that the roster is good. Especially if Ekblad's healthy now. Like, I think that's a roster that can be competitive with those other teams. The question for them in the last year or so has just been the goaltending. Yep. You know, and I think that's a – I'm not ready to say that she's been solved yet. I really – I love Spencer Knight. Um, no, what's not get – you know – but he's also he was just nineteen last year. He's gonna be twenty this season. He's played like five NHL games. Yeah, and I think even he admitted as much. Like you know, you know, he's by no means is he just is he the guy right now? Is he ready to like you know step in and and be like a you know a top twenty starting goal in the National Hockey League? You know, there's there's probably gonna be some bumps along the way there, and I don't think they're ready to just say Bobrovsky's done just quite yet. Uh, so I think that's that dynamic between Bobrovsky and, and Knight is going to be really is is going to be the, the variable there on whether they can, you know, kind of, you know, be a top three seed in that in that division. But if they even get like average goaltending, I think they got a real chance. They pushed Tampa last year and they did that without their best player in Aaron Eckblad. I mean, I guess Barkov's probably the best player. One of their best players in Aaron Eckblad. And Although Tampa didn't have Kucherov do you know? <laughs> details details but yes you're right uh, they but they still hung tight with the team that won the Stanley Cup I guess being my point right yeah, like, yeah. um no Kuch was back for that series wasn't he first oh, round oh, of the playoffs oh, but I meant like in the like the the seating oh yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. they pushed him in the playoffs too yeah, and, yeah, and so yeah, they might have right, right. they might have even been the higher seed in that series I don't remember and they, they were actually yeah, yeah, and, yeah and so like I mean they they did really well last year now. Does Anton Lindell is he coming over this this current? Yeah, year? I think I don't know if they, how many roster spots they have. It's going to be between Lindell or Denisenko. I think who yeah. will get that last spot. Two very different kinds of players. Lindell yep. is more of a two way guy. Denisenko, dynamic scoring winger. Lundell's a center, so we'll see. I actually liked Owen Tippett last season too. Like yeah. I thought, like it wasn't amazing, but I thought he was he he held his own. Looked like you know looked like he belonged in that league. So you have those two guys coming in to complement with Tippett, and yeah, but I think. I don't think scoring is their issue. I think they, they scored a lot of goals last yeah. season. It's just going to be can they stop? Can they stop the puck going into their own net? And you know, I think that the defense unit is is fine in that regard. It's a pretty mean decor yeah. too. I mean, you look yeah. at Gudis and Mackenzie Wegar is a is a tough player to play against. He had a really big year coming yeah, into he, his own. He, yeah, he did. But Ekblad is is, is he's the, the man. Guy. He's, no the, he's the he's the guy there. And yeah, they just need Bobrovsky slash Knight just to be okay. Yep. They don't need they don't need they don't need grit. They don't need to have a combined like nine eighteen save percentage on that team. If they're if their save percentage is even like nine twelve, nine thirteen combined, 
I think that skater group is good enough to be to get a top three seat. I like it. Uh, NYR Marine, which drafted OHL prospects that completely missed last season, do you expect to have notable seasons? I assume he's not just meaning 2021 eligible. So anyone who was in the OHL who didn't play last year. Yeah, like, uh, you know, you got because you have like the top guys, the first rounders, like you expect guys like, you know, like like Clark, like Brennan Offman, McTavish, Wyatt Johnson, particularly, who didn't play at all last year. Those other guys had some Europe games. Johnson didn't play at all. I think he could have a really big year in Windsor. I look at a guy, one guy comes to mind for me, because I think Tyson Forster will like will be in the American League, if I had to guess, is I think one guy would be uh, Luca Vagilista, who played a couple American League games, didn't really excel at the American League level, a uh, national second round pick. I think that's a guy, you know, presuming he goes back and plays with London, that will have a, you know, will be you know, a really significant player. Just, uh, you know, well, how good an NHL player he is, with his foot speed is still kind of the question for me, but I think he's got a lot of skill. He's got hockey sense. He's competitive. He can score. Uh, I think that's a guy who I wouldn't shock me if he has, you know, 80, 90, 95 points this season, depending on if he goes to the world juniors or not. Next one, I'm going to kind of double up on you because there's two that fit the same theme. And that first one is from John. How do you possibly fit all the Rangers prospects into that lineup and, or decide who to trade from them? And then Peter Kletcha, if you were Steve Eiserman, how would you deal with the surplus of defense prospects, especially on the left side of the pipeline? Do you stash them in Europe for longer than you otherwise might? Do you try to bundle them together in a trade package? I will say, as someone who covers the Red Wings, the crop for the Rangers, D prospects in particular, um, is of a higher overall caliber than the Red Wings there. But it does get at a similar theme here. Uh, yeah, it does. And I will say from all my years of covering hockey, talking to NHL people, I've never had one NHL person say to me, Corey, we have too many good players. Like, <laughs> you know, like I, I just don't know what we're going to do with all of them. You know, <laughs> that, that I don't think in my experience, those pro, those quote unquote problems usually sort themselves out. Because not every prospect hits, yeah. and sometimes the guys you think won't hit hit, and 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 these things typically will even out. And if you really get to a point where you have way too many actually really good players, then you can deal from a you know from a position of strength kind of thing. You kind of saw, you know, for example, when Nashville had you know they had somebody they had you know the Ellis and Seth Jones Simmons and you know and and Gerard Sooner, and Ekholm yeah. and. And Dante Fabro, you yeah. know, then they they could they could make they made they made a play to go get Johansson. Uh, so you know, you can always do something like that. But I think you want to make sure you get to that point first before you start thinking three moves ahead, because a lot of those guys either won't do it or they'll do it, but it'll take a lot of time. I will say, the Rangers are actually getting kind of close to that point here because. You're now at the point now. Braden Schneider hasn't arrived yet. Nils Lundqvist hasn't arrived yet. Zach Jones has really just stepped foot in the NHL. Yeah, but, you, but they're, but they're, they're all, farther along. Yeah, yeah. Lundqvist, you think Lundqvist, you can see playing games this year. I think Jones could play games this year. Schneider, I can see him play a year in the American League, but the year after, I think you'll start making some hard decisions. And you know, that's a it's a good position to be in. But I think you just let their play like dictate it to you. And there are three different kinds of players. Yes, not different. I think Jones and Lundqvist actually are kind of similar. But Schneider is different than those other two. A little bit more big, hard to play against. Those two have a little bit more offense. Um, so I think you kind of let their play dictate to you. You know, you know what their trade value are, where they fit in your team, and then you can make a move accordingly. But I wouldn't be rushing to trade a really good prospect. Uh, just yet until you I, I say you need a little bit more information particularly at the NHL level on how those guys look now here's something that fascinates me is is uh I spent a little too much time on Twitter like many of you listening I'm sure uh 
in the discourse around a Jack Eichel trade, which the New York Rangers are permanently involved in, sure, uh, whether they want to be or not, um, fans will often say, no, 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 like I, this guy needs to be untouchable in this trade. How many non-Adam Fox defensemen in the New York Rangers system can be untouchable in a Jack Eichel trade? Can't really think of anyone else other than him. I don't think so. Because and I I think he Andre had a fantastic season last year, but Jack Eichel is Jack Eichel. Yeah, he's a if he's healthy, which is like the big like asterisk like next to any proposal with him because that seems to be a a, a question that is still not yet been answered or shown any way to be answered at this stage. Uh, you know, I, I love. You know, Keandre, you know, he had a he had a great year. Looks like, you know, big mobile physical defenseman with who showed more offense than I thought he was going to as a rookie pro. Uh but Jack Eichel's a you know, could be a when he's when he's healthy and he's playing well, he's a top five, seven center in the league. Like, you know, there's those guys are not easy to find. So I can't think of anyone really now there's probably a you know, like any trade, there probably reaches a point where yeah. it gets it gets. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> if you get into a point where it's Keandre and a, a, a billion first round picks or whatever, then you're going to say, oh, "Come on now!" But and he, I'm sure he's probably the next guy up that you want to protect. But I tend to agree. It's like it at some point, part of the, what it comes when you have this depth is I think yeah, people want to trade the guys at the bottom of the depth, but the depth really allows you to trade guys more in the middle yeah. to upper well, middle. Yeah, and, and Phil. I, yeah, I would say whenever I think whenever I talk to NHL people and they read the online discourse around these kind of things, not just the Eichel trade, just in general, I think they kind of say like, I think fans sometimes don't realize you got to give to get sometimes, and uh, and that would be the case. And you know, Jack Eichel's a premium player in the National Hockey League, and if you want him, you're gonna there's gonna be some pain to to get him. That's just the reality. Just to um. Tie the ball on this question on the Red Wing side of things from for Peter's question. The Red Wing side is a little different. Like you do have these, especially on the left side. We talked about two of them, Sabrango and McIsaac. You've also got Albert Johansson, Emil Vero. Obviously, the top of this pool is Simon Edvinson. Yeah, exactly. He's the guy that kind of you're you're thinking, okay, yeah, this guy definitely he, projects. Right, that. but he sets the bar. He you sets know, the bar. You right. know, as if he's a, if he's a legitimate, you know, one LD. You have spots. If he's only a two, like say, let's say he's number three, yeah. French two then type, it's a crowded bottom then, four of the D. Yeah, yeah. Then yeah. like where does where where does Sabrango, McIsaac, Vero, you Johansson. know, Johansson, etc., whatever, Wallinder, whoever else might have a chance. Like yeah, yeah. You you start the question become become tougher. So you know what where guys like how a guy like Evanson pans out will will dictate that because I think a lot of those guys are good players. Are they excellent players? Time will tell. And that's kind of you know a similar theme. I you know I kind of you say is you get ten of these guys, and if I say their average projection is a third round, you know defenseman, some will become second, some won't, yeah. some won't play. Maybe you hope one becomes like a stud and becomes like a true like top two, top three D in your lineup. Uh, but you just try and get a lot of these guys, and whether it's them or whether it's a shy boy, we didn't even we didn't we didn't, we didn't mention. You just hope. Like one of those guys, and Boyum has the potential, I think, to be a top four D. Yeah, um, Johansson too, I think. Yeah, exactly for different reasons, but uh, but yeah, no, you just kind of get the approaches. You just get a lot of these guys when you're when you're rebuilding, which is what the Rangers have done through much different way than how Detroit has done it. But uh, you just gotta get a lot of these guys, and you hope the odds even out, and 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 as time goes on, you you hope that they that they progress enough to to give you real value. 
Don't just ride the index, seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, back at it. Peter G asks, can any of the Blackhawks plethora of young defensemen become an impact player? So this pool he's talking about, Vlasic, Alex Vlasic, obviously, Wyatt Kaiser, Wyatt Kalanick, Ian Mitchell, Nick Bodan, Alec Regula, or who is Allen? I don't know Allen. Nolan Allen. Nolan Allen. The, sorry, the, Nolan Allen. Their their first round pick from this summer. Double sorry, Nolan <laughs> Allen. I was not, I had a lot going on that night. Nothing personal. That's no, okay. It's okay. A lot of people didn't remember what that pick was because it was right after the Mayu pick. Ah, oh, that'll do it too. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, well, I guess it depends what you mean by impact player. Yeah. Uh, Let's say top four. Yeah. I, I think Vlashik got a chance. I'm not sure if he's actually going to do it, but I see, anytime you got like, what do you ever He's like 6'5, six, 6'6, six, six, skates good enough. For, for a guy that size, like there is some, there is some quickness in his feet. There is a, the question is just on him is how much offense is there? I think there is just enough to where he's got a shot to do that. And I think, uh, so he would be the one I would highlight from that group. I think you could talk to some scouts who really like, uh, Kaiser. Yeah. I'm not quite there yet. Cause I think he was good at the showcase. Yeah. He's a really good skater. He's competitive. I also feel there's an offense question, but I think with, with Vlasic, because he is just a, such a big guy and he also skates well, that I think there's just more pro projection there, a better chance to become a good player. With Kaiser, 6-0, not really that offensive. Like the skating, the skating, the defending needs to be just so excellent. And I think he was really good at Duluth last season, but, but, and he could, the defending might just be that good. Uh, but I think he's got to just, it's going to be harder, I think, for him to become like a, a true like, like top of the lineup kind of guy. Because I think guys like Vlasic has a better chance. I do like Ian Mitchell still. I could buy it. Like he's closer. Obviously, he played in the National Hockey League last season. Uh, he'd be from he's would be you know him and Bodan both uh, smart puck movers. Mitchell a little bit better of a skater. Bodan's got a little bit more offense. Uh, I'm not sure I'm ready to say any of them are going to for sure be that. But those kind of maybe those three guys and maybe four if you include uh uh. Uh, Kaiser would be the ones that come to mind. Here's my follow-up here. How bad does Chicago need one of them to become a, a, a top four defense? Because you, you, you had a young guy in Boakfast that you trade away and you get Seth Jones. Obviously, Seth Jones is a top four D. And Boakfast wasn't really like popping. Like, you know, yeah. he, he, he I still think he's going to be a second pair defenseman, yep. like play power play, but he was like a five. 10, 5'11 defenseman yeah. who, who was a good, not great skater and doesn't couldn't defend well. So like he was, he was not like, I thought he was, going to be a good NHL player but he wasn't going to be a, a great one but now yeah to your point there's there's no clear next guy like I like Nolan Allen I think he's going to play in the National Hockey League but there's no 
you're waiting for a guy to really elevate. Yeah. And I haven't seen a guy. You've seen like Mitchell, Bogdan, and Flashes have some good stretches, but uh, there's no guy that's consistently elevated yet the last couple of years. I think you look at their NHL roster, and you've got guys that you're perfectly comfortable with as NHL defensemen. And they're Calvin DeHaan, Connor Murphy, Jake McCabe. You're perfectly comfortable with all those guys in your lineup. Seth Jones. Well, obviously, but he, yeah, he, yeah, he yeah, exempted, you know, he, yeah. he's the, he's the D and yeah, then I'm saying behind yeah. him. Right. Yeah. But like, so you're perfectly comfortable with those other three as, as regulars. Yeah. I, some of those other guys, I can see them plugging in like four to six types. Like, you know, right. like, uh, yeah. But in terms of PKers, yeah, high echelon guys, some guys have chances, but they're more like outside chances, I would say. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving on to the next one, and we should probably should just tie this into the Rangers conversation. Uh, Charger J, do you think Nils Lundqvist has a chance to be nearly as productive as Adam Fox? He just keeps getting better and better, and his intelligence really sticks out to me. Now, before you answer this, here's what I'm going to say about Nils Lundqvist is that, you know, the, the productive and as good as Adam Fox are different questions, right? Like Adam Fox won the Norris Trophy this year. He did score. He was productive. Yeah. But I, a big part of it is Adam Fox is a really good defender, too. <laughs> Yeah, like I would. Yeah, I, we're not going to pick on him and get to the heart of that. Uh, get to the heart of that question. So I don't think we. I think you know, reasonably not going to say Nils Lundqvist is going to win the Norris Trophy, but right, like, correct. but I think Nils Lundqvist has continued to progress really, really well the last couple of years. Uh, you know, there were doubters of Adam Fox his entire amateur career. One point it was NGDP, even through his first couple, couple college years. You know, there was there were doubters on whether it was going to work in the National Hockey League, and obviously it did, and you know, in, you know, in, in a huge way. And I think with Lunkfist, there's been less doubts because he is a good skater. That was always the question with Fox was was the, was the skating. Um, I think Lunkfist could definitely be a good top four defenseman. I mean, this, the, the hockey sense is excellent. He is a strong enough skater. He can shoot the puck. Uh, more offensive than defensive, but I think that be, I think he can defend just okay enough to to do what he what he needs to do to be successful. Um, yeah, I don't think he's taking the PP one job away from. From Adam, and that's and a big part of production. Yeah, I don't think he's doing that anytime soon. I don't think a lot of any of those guys are doing it. I like, I, I think Jones is a really good offensive player too, but he's not doing that either. Keandre definitely, you know, is not doing it. Like, you know, it's. it's I think Niels can definitely be a big piece of the puzzle there uh, in helping them become a good team. What I will say about Lundqvist is best under twenty SHL scoring season ever. Yep, on his resume. Yeah, and so. When you're talking purely production, like now, could he, you see he, a world he, where he has offense? Like I think the hockey sense, the vision is really good, and he can shoot the puck. So I definitely think he's a power play guy in the National Hockey. I just don't know if he's PP one on that team. Well, so here's what I'll say about that though. So I agree with you. Like who who on earth is going to take the Norris Trophy winner's job? But if you were the Rangers and you're looking at Adam Fox playing 25 minutes a night, and you can just rein in like two of those minutes and drop him on Lundqvist's plate, like. Do you give any, not necessarily this year, but in a year or two down the line, if yeah. you want to keep Fox fresh, like that's something you could at least consider. Yeah, because yeah, I think there's, there's still going to be a debate out there among NHL scouts on whether Fox is any lead enough like defender defender to to play the, like the 25, 28 minutes that you would typically want a guy uh, to do who is a true like star, star echelon kind of guy. You can have debates whether that's true or not, but I think as guys like Lundqvist and particularly Schneider and Keandre grow, that you can start putting more hard minute responsibilities on them so that you know you, you could kind of you could kind of play fox the way like carlson and brett burns have been played in, in, yeah in, in their in their yeah. careers um to maybe get the most out of him even though i don't think you need to do that with him but i think that just when you have those when you have options you can 
you know, I think you want Keandre and Schneider type players playing the tough defensive minutes just because of their size and their and and their feet and their yeah, and, and that's physicality. what you drafted them to do. Yeah, that's I mean, why you spent first round picks on those guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I even mean, just thinking of their their first power play, you know, you imagine Lafreniere is going to be there. You know, Panarin is going to be there. Zibanejad. Like, there's just there's only five spots, and that's right. <laughs> that's right. Good problem to have. All right, another one that I'm going to combine, Jacob Macy, Matvey Gustav, Gustav, sorry, is doing well in the KHL, albeit, yes, a small sample size. What are your thoughts on him? And from True Fan Net, if you're the Sens and you have a prospect like Igor Sokolov, who continues to impress coaching and management, do you give him a shot or do you try to acquire a winger externally? Two, I think two, two different questions. We'll start on the KHL for a second with with Gustav. He started off really well, uh, Minnesota Wild, uh, fifth-round pick, I believe, from a couple of years ago. And uh, the Jets prospect, Rashevsky, with Dynamo Moscow, has also been really good. Also a fifth-round pick from this draft that just happened. Um, both are intriguing players. Both have decent size with you know pretty good skill and scoring ability. Guskov, I thought, struggled in his North American games uh, when he was over in the OHL. Um, but you know he was considered a top prospect at one point many, many years ago. But when he was like 15, 16, he was a guy people were excited about. Uh, the small sample is relevant, you know. It's we can be two months from now, and he might have gone on a stretch where he doesn't score again, you know. But I think because there is some size and some skill there, not the quickest guy, but I think he's intriguing. Same thing with Rashevsky, you know. He's off to a monster start. Pretty much everyone I'm done in Moscow is scoring right now. Um, but yeah, he's also you know got really good hands, instincts. He can shoot it. He competes well. Also, skating just okay. Uh, but both of those guys have at least done well enough to be the minimum on the radar from an NHL perspective. And if in a month or so from now we're getting to the November national team tournaments and they're still on the radar, they get invites, you know, they, they play well at that level, um, I think you could start having more realistic conversations about what an NHL future might, might look like for those guys. But we're still in September, so so not quite there. Sokolov, on the other hand, I think is a guy who's shown a more consistent track record. Um Really good last year in the queue where he was a second-round pick. You know, good World Juniors. Goes to the American League. He's one of Belleville's best players. Skating's a little rough, so that's going to be the issue with him from the National Hockey League. But I think you at least got to give him a, a chance. And, and Ottawa has a lot of young guys. You can't have a team full of, like, 21, 22-year-olds. Uh, there's nothing wrong with having depth and, you know, giving guys, you know, uh, you know, having a little bit of depth and, make, and making guys having to earn it or being injury call-ups. Or maybe have making them having to steal somebody's job at training camp. I think he's in that mix. You know, is he for sure going to play in the NHL out of camp? You know, I probably wouldn't say for sure because of the skating. But I, I like Igor a lot because he's big, he's skilled, he can shoot the puck, and I think he I think he works hard. Uh so I definitely think he's in the mix to play games at some point with Ottawa this season, whether it's at a camp or or a mid year call up. All right, that is going to do it for the questions today. I did want to throw in one shout-out before we sign off here to Jonathan Andrew Paul, who replied to the call for questions just to tell us uh, that he was excited because he was for the show because he's picking up his son from school early to drive to a hockey tournament this weekend. Jonathan, shout-out to you. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the tournament. And to your son, have fun and uh, and get the, get the win. Win it all. All right, that is going to do it for us. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Athletic Hockey Show Prospect Series. Please also follow the Athletic Hockey Show on your favorite podcast platform and leave a rating and a review if you're enjoying it. That really helps us out. You can also subscribe to the Athletic Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts to get all the bonus content from our entire network. You can start with the 30-day free trial. 
and then it's just 99 cents a month after that. And right now, for a very limited time, you can save 50% on an annual subscription to The Athletic when you visit theathletic.com slash hockey show. Would highly recommend you do that before the season starts. Uh, and, and we're going to have tons of stuff coming for you in, in, in the coming weeks to, to make it worth it for you. All right, everybody. Take care.